0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the second episode of the Vinyl Obsession Podcast. Uh, Yeah, I tried to get this episode out before Christmas, but as you know, uh, Christmas is a crazy time. Things happen, and uh, yeah, I wasn't able to get this out before Christmas like I really wanted to. But you know what? There's a little bit of holiday stuff in here, but I still think, you know, people will still enjoy it. It's still close to the holidays, but we're going to start 2023 off right. I want to wish everybody a happy 2023. Let's go. all right everyone welcome back in for episode two um you know we made uh we survived to episode one and we've actually survived for one more episode so we're fooling them all so <laughs>
1: pretty impressed yeah
0: um thank you for anybody who you know took time out of their day time out of their life to go check out the first episode i know a lot of it was family and friends so thank you to my family and friends who supported me checked it out we do have some random people from around the world listening, mm-hmm. which is awesome, so thank you to you know, can- yeah Canada, the UK, we had Germany and Japan, so is that's kind of cool.
1: That's really cool. Yeah,
0: so you know, Don Kashem and Domo Arigato, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start episode two, this is how I'm going to start every episode going forward, because I know that it's going to be a recurring theme, so I'm just going to try to get out ahead of it. I'm gonna call this segment Er Errors and emissions. So um, this is what I messed up on. I have been known to ramble a little bit. So yeah, I know, I know, I know, So, so this is me being like, hey, this is where I fucked up. This is where I might've gave misinformation or I forgot something that I wanted to add in. This is where we're gonna reconnect it back to Black Sabbath so um i did say many times that uh, orchid was the intro song that goes into children of the grave it's not it's actually embryo i messed up i was thinking of the wrong interlude
1: wah, wah. so
0: that was my bad i apologize i said masters of re- masters of reality so many times it's not masters of reality it's master of reality
1: just singular yeah
0: so like it really hurt my soul a little bit when i was like hearing it and i was like oh no like i kept saying the wrong thing so i have to bring that up um you know omissions wise um my buddy ryan brought up a very good quote that i should have like almost led off the podcast with uh henry rollins has this fantastic quote about black south and said the only thing in life that you can count on is yourself the first six black sabbath records (laughs) and it's it's absolutely dead true so that's my errors and admissions for episode one so that's me i apologize everybody
1: thank you yes uh, sorry for clearing the air i'm clearing the
0: air on that one uh so you know it's you know it's christmas time we're about uh like what we're a week away actually so we're recording a week away from christmas actually time time flies time has flied this whole year has flew um, so with that being said, Jess, do you want to share with, with everybody who's listening, what your, some of your favorite Christmas songs are?
1: Ooh, so I have a few different fa- It depends on the, you know, the scenario, right? So my family grew up, we grew up in a church. My mm-hmm. grandfather was a pastor. So I have like some favorite church songs, certainly, mm-hmm. um, Silent Night, Enjoy the World, like those. And I had mentioned it in. The first episode, like mm-hmm. music is very the emotions that music can bring is what I like yeah. a lot of the time. So those are probably my two more church themed okay. Christmas songs. But then songs that you hear on the radio, you're gonna hate me. Okay. Don't hate me. I really love Dominic the Donkey. It's
0: it's kitschy, <laughs> it's so but hey man, stupid. whatever. But you know <laughs> e-on- eonky Um <laughs> hey, hey, whatever.
1: Um, but I also I also like um Last Christmas. Is a, a good one.
0: Oh, Last Christmas I Gave You My Heart? Yeah. Oh, that's Wham. That's Wham. George mm-hmm. Michael. Yeah. Okay. No, <laughs> I can get down with that one. I actually have it written down here on my list. Uh, what are your... I, I have a lot written down.
1: <laughs> oh, of course. What are, what are your favorites? Um.
0: So, like, when we talk, like, family-wise, like, you're like, oh, it's Dorky, Dominic the Donkey. Like, my family grew up listening to John Denver and the Muppets at Christmas oh, together. Wow. So, I can't even bring my... I have it on vinyl. Like, I just can't bring myself to listen to it. It's... It just reminds me of Christmas as a kid and like how much I miss my dad and stuff. So like I that's I associate that heavily with Christmas and that's definitely up there. I just can't listen to it currently. Yeah. Um, but like favorites for me, I think the best Christmas like rock Christmas song that's ever been written. If you've never heard this song, go listen to it. It's beautiful. It'll make you cry. It, the name of the band is The Pogues. They're an Irish folk band.
1: Mm, I know this one.
0: And it's called "Fairytale in New York." It's a phenomenal song. It's about um, you know people. These this couple that has, came over to New York from Ireland, and he's a you know he promised his woman all these crazy things. She says in the songs, you know, you promised me Broadway was waiting for me, but you know you're you're drunk, you know, and you, you just lied to me the entire time to get me over here. It's it's such a good song. Everyone go listen to that song. It's it's phenomenal. Um, obviously, Elvis Blue Christmas, Bruce Springsteen.
1: I love Blue Christmas. Bruce
0: Springsteen's version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I can't believe, Jessica, you didn't bring up the Eagles. Please come home for Christmas because as much <laughs> as like I don't like the Eagles, I actually really like that song.
1: I have such a soft spot for the Eagles. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, another song that people may not have heard, like the Kink's Father Christmas. Great, really cool song. Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time. Shout out to Run DMC Christmas in Hollis. Christmas Time <laughs> in Hollis, Queens. Great song. And of course, more importantly, this is kind of going to tie into our band this week. Um, I absolutely love the Ramones song, Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to tie into the band that we're doing a deep dive with. We're going to do uh, a deep dive on the Ramones. But before we go into that, um, this is a vinyl podcast, and I would be... Hard pressed not to address what is going on with the nerdism, uh, the ongoing online vinyl fight. Um, so, there's a
1: vinyl fight? Well,
0: kind of. Um, so, Mobile Fidelity Sound Lab, who is like supposedly at the top end, creme de la creme, what they'll do is they'll take albums and they'll remaster them from the original master tapes okay. and it's an analog production and it sounds incredible. Now they have a, a, a process that they've been kind of, I don't know, it's the best way to put it, maybe lying to people. about. Oh, It's actually, they've kind of came out and now it's like, Oh yeah, it is from the master tape, but it's like, you know, we do a digital recut. So a lot of nerds are like, Oh, Oh my God. It's not pure analog. It's digital. But it's still pulled from the master tapes and then it's redone. Like so the thriller Michael Jackson Thriller, like it's n- hasn't been like redone for an audio fire press and the audio fire press of Thriller came out and Jess, you listen to it. Um, you know, it's it's an expensive record. It it's over so nice. It does. So like It's completely different from like the original mix of the record. That's what I like about it so much because the original mix of the record, is very super compressed. It stays in between two lanes in the highway and it kind of hits you right there in the face. Um, This one is just super wide open and you can hear every little detail instrument wise. Michael's voice is jacked up in the production. Like you hear Michael's voice first and foremost, but you can hear every bit of instrument. Um, I know it goes against the grain because everybody online, like on like the nerdy videos and stuff that I watch, everyone trashes it pretty much. But I really like it. I think it sounds great. It's okay. a new take. That's what I like about it. Is it's a it's a different take. It's a different sound to it. I like it. But I know like if you watch, uh, audiophile forty five, who is, he's this German guy who has the absolute best ear that I've ever heard ever for, audiophile records, and his ear is just absolutely phenomenal. He posted a video, just absolutely trashing it, saying how much he hated it. And he was done with mobile MFSLs, he wasn't gonna buy anymore. I like it, that's just me. Hey, okay. that's just me. All right. That's my two cents. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we're will we gonna go on and um, do a deep dive here into one of my absolute top, ten, top five maybe, favorite bands of all time, and that's the Mighty Mighty Ramones. I love the Ramones so much. Um, I will go out on the limb and say that they are probably the best American band that's ever come out. Okay. So the most influential, definitely. Wow. Most influential, definitely. Well, th- all right. So here's a, here's a good question for you. Um, bands wise, when you think of like these massive, huge, big, iconic bands, like who do you think of? Like people are like, oh my god, that band's huge. They must have influenced thousands of.
1: I bands. mean the Beatles. They're from the, the UK. My, you, you, yeah, yeah, yeah you know. said bands. Yeah, I
0: know, but I'm just saying, oh, like, okay. I'm, just, I'm This is what I'm proving. Cool.
1: So, America, you're saying like American bands? Yeah, like
0: I think they're the most influential American band of all time because, like, you know, like your Beatles, your Zeppelins, your, your Stones, they're all from the UK. Like, the, yeah. like the the big, huge, heavy hitters, they're all from the UK. What
1: and, about Elvis? Okay, well, okay, Michael, Michael Jackson.
0: Well, Michael Jackson's more R and B. Prince.
1: Well, you said, okay, you're talking yeah. bands, not artists. No, no,
0: no, no. We could say artists, too. Yeah. So, like, Elvis, I could say, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, Elvis broke over into England huge because, like, you can almost say Elvis spawned all of those bands. That's what I'm
1: saying. I mean, yeah. those three people right there were American, correct? Yeah. Very influential. Yeah, they, extremely. They had a huge hand in changing the course of music. Mm-hmm. So no, I I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Ramones, but I agree so, with Ramones from you know punk rock
0: standpoint. Well, exactly. So I'm talking like, if you were already banned post 1976, you have the Ramones to thank. Yep. If you play anything that has a distorted guitar, you have the Ramones to thank. That's just my opinion, right. and I don't understand why they've never really gotten commercially gotten their due. Like, because they in America they would go around and they would play like small clubs, and like even throughout their entire career they never were never huge. Like they just played like small tiny clubs, but they would go to like England and South America or, or around the world, and they would play like soccer stadiums, like a hundred thousand people. Yeah. But like then they would come back to America where they're from and then play a club of like fifteen hundred people, and barely sell it out.
1: Interesting. Yeah,
0: they just never caught on commercially here, and it it always like I don't know why, but go figure. It bugs me.
1: Of course, of course it It, it bugs does. me
0: that people don't share my point of view, but <laughs> that's just me. Um,
1: so I had you know, I I don't get a script or anything. I mean, the, yeah. you write out some notes. Yeah. I know what we're going to talk about. So yeah. I did a little bit of research. Yeah um but other than that it's pretty unscripted yeah. so my question and this is silly to you though yeah. can we count them as an american band if one of their members was not from america
0: yes i know because dd Dee Dee is technically dd was born in germany mm-hmm. dd was born on a in hungary oh no 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 so that was tommy 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 was technically born in hungary but a, you
1: dd was not born in germany dd
0: was born in germany
1: nope fun fact you want to know where Didi was born? I thought he was
0: born in Germany. Where? Virginia. Didi Ramon was born in Virginia. Where
1: we are living currently.
0: Because I knew Didi was an army brat and he lived in Germany until like he was a teenager and then he came back to America. Like he he like his parents were both in the army and like they bounced around from base to base. Hungary, I know that would have to be Tommy. Yeah. Like Tommy. In Budapest, Tommy, was Tommy was born really. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Isn't that so. No, I would still consider them because they were Formed, like, in, like, he must have came I over. Ag- I agree with oh, you. Oh, no, I'm I was sure. just like, wow, I'm like, I'm learning stuff. This is great. I'm like, just, ooh, I'm, I'm Jessica, Jessica, Jessica bring in the fucking heat. I love it. That's bring right. the fucking heat. I love it.
1: You got to get ready.
0: Yeah, no, this is, please, absolutely. See, the first
1: episode, I only had 10 minutes to prepare. You this give me is, a whole day. This is what you get. You get this, facts.
0: This is my wife taking me down a peg or two. I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. That's why she's my warrior princess and I love her. Um, but, I mean, I do consider them an American band, 150%. I agree. I'm just um, <laughs> So, no, 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 please. This, this is what you're here for. I love it. Um, so, they were, you know, we'll go into a little history of the band. So, we'll we'll break it down. Band members. So, first off, we have Joey Ramone. Jerry Ramone was the singer. His real name, Jeffrey Heyman. We have Johnny Ramone. His real name, John Cummings. Dee Dee Ramone. His real name is Douglas Colvin. And Tommy Ramone, Tommy Elderly. Um, so they got the surname Ramon because, um, when Paul McCartney was in the Beatles and he would go and he would check in to a hotel way back in the day, he would use the name Paul Ramon. So people just couldn't be like, is Paul McCartney staying here? So he would always check in under the surname Paul Ramon. Mm-hmm. So and they're like, they thought that was the coolest thing ever. They're like, hey, how about we all use our first name, but we use the surname Ramon as That's- like... A nod to uh, the Beatles. That's funny. Hey, that cool.
1: Did any of them legally change their name, like their surname, to Ramon? Or that just... I actually
0: don't know. Did they? Yeah, uh, you're 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 sounding like you might have the answer to this. I don't. Ooh. I don't. I Because I, I would. I've always like, especially like D.D. Like D.D. to me would be like the person who'd be like, "Yeah, 100. I'm gonna change. Like I'm not Douglas Colvin anymore. I'm just D.D. Ramon. Period." <laughs> um. So they were formed in the Forest Hills section of Queens. Okay. Um, if you could think of like what the opposite of Manhattan, like when you think of New York most people think of like Manhattan, like you know, Midtown Manhattan, Times Square, beautiful big buildings, lots of hustling and bustling and beautiful to look at. Forest Hills is absolutely 1000% the complete different to that. It's just like big concrete like apartment buildings, lots of hills go figure to call Forest Hills. Mm it it runs parallel to queen's boulevard so it's really just like that super residential section you know not coming from anything big great and grand like manhattan like they you know i watched interviews with them and they would all lie when they went into manhattan to go to like concerts and shows and stuff like that and they would try to pick up girls and they would lie and say yeah we live in manhattan but actually they lived in queens because they weren't going to get laid if they said they lived in queens (laughs) that's really funny. so yeah um
1: that kinda like when we lived um outside of Boston, anyone that wasn't from Massachusetts I, stand,
0: I, I, stand, I would yeah. say
1: I would say, I'm from Boston.
0: I one hundred percent stand that <laughs> fact because people even today, like in Virginia, people are like, Oh, well, where are you from? Like from Boston and they're like, Oh hey, I know XYZ from Boston. I'm like, Well, I'm not really from Boston. I'm like <laughs> forty five minutes away from Boston, close to Western, like, Oh yeah, like, well, no, I'm actually really fifteen minutes outside of Western Like and then you just keep getting like it's easier. Yeah, yeah, people it is
1: people know they know that main city and they know stuff yeah from it
0: <laughs> very good point so um 1974 um tommy and johnny they're in a band together um they meet Didi when he finally moves over from germany to queens um from hungary no so he was in germany he was in
1: germany at the time yeah. army brat
0: army brat um tommy was bo- was born and hungry and moved over he must have been when he was really really young yeah. moved over to new york um so they all formed a band everyone's familiar with joey joey was a singer of another band already but they all wanted to start a band together because they all shared the same musical influences like they all liked you know the stooges the stooges is a uh, iggy pops band mm-hmm. that's the band that iggy pop formed uh they really liked the new york dolls the new york dolls were like this um, very glitzy, glamour band from New York. Like, they were kind of like, if David Bowie had, like, a little bit of a harder edge, that's what the New York Dolls would be. The okay. New- yeah. So they were all very inspired by the New York Dolls. They kind of were like, oh, look at, like, they're kind of, you know, it's kind of gender-bending. Like, they don't know what's going on. Like, the people are freaked out and scared by them. We love it. It's different. And the same thing with the Stooges. Like, people, like, when the Stooges first came out, You were, like, a miscreant if you listened to the Stooges. (laughs) Nobody listened to the Stooges. Like, nobody, like, cared. Like, they lived in, like, the Stooges are from Detroit. They're huge in Detroit. But other, like, outside of Detroit, if you listened to the Stooges, you were, like, considered, like, I don't know, like a criminal.
1: So do you think the Ramones were more influential than the Stooges? Yes. Interesting. A thousand percent. If they took their influence from the Stooges, though, can that count? If the Stooges influenced the Ramones? No, I
0: mean, that counts, but I mean, like... I would say, like, my whole fight with this is anything post-1976, you have nobody but the Ramones to thank. And I mean literally from, like, every alternative band, punk band, metal band. If you play anything with a distorted guitar, bass, drums, and vocals, you have the Ramones to thank. The pain paving the way for you. Again, so like I said, modern-day bands have nobody to thank but the Ramones dead serious
1: so what are your thoughts and maybe i'm jumping the gun here mm-hmm. but when we've had this talk before so yeah. commonly i love the ramones oh mm-hmm. let's clear the air on that absolutely love the ramones however a lot of their songs have very have similarities yep um and so i was listening you know to most of their disc- discography mm-hmm. prior to this episode mm-hmm. and with the initial opinion like Yeah, they're just reusing the same stuff to just, you know, it's the same music. Mm -hmm. They're changing a little bit of the lyrics. And they're just, and, but then my opinion started changing. And it it felt very, it felt like they were poking fun at that (laughs) style of music. Like it it felt almost satirical because then there's, we'll get into, you know, my favorite album and your favorite album, but some of those those like blitzkrieg Bob, like those which was their first song right
0: um that was one of the first songs that they ever written yeah
1: so there's there's a lot yeah but it felt it began to feel like satire like they're they were doing that on purpose
0: so i would almost say that it, it, exactly like you kind of gotta you gotta gotta take it with a grain of salt like some of it is meant to be very serious and some of it's very joking like we'll get into like Every time I eat my vegetables, I think of you. you Yeah, like...
1: Insert one eh. other Jessica fun fact. Did you know that Every Time I Eat My Vegetables is the longest song title of all their songs?
0: That doesn't shock me, because usually it's like one to two word titles, and Mm -hmm. and that is literally like a full sentence, which is very unlike them. Yep, it's Eh. ten
1: words, but... They spelled every time wrong. They spelled every time as one word, which is, and it's technically two words. Ah, well, so I never even caught on to that. If they spelled it right, it would be an eleven-word song title.
0: Wow. Okay. Right off the cuff, coming out with the thunder. I love this.
1: See what happens when you let me prepare for these. <laughs> Game over.
0: <laughs> so uh, we'll go back to more on the like the formation of the band. Um, so you know they wanted to start a band together. That so there would have Joey and the drums. Dee would sing and play bass. Johnny would play guitar. Um, and then Tommy would kind of be like the advisor to the band. He wanted to be the producer. He wanted to be the manager, kind of help form things. He had no interest in playing whatsoever. Um, so they would audition a ton of drummers. And no one could keep come up and keep up with the frantic style that they were playing at. So Tommy would hop behind the kit and was like, no, 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 no. It's like this. And no one could really do it. So one day they were finally like... Hey, why don't you do it? And Tommy was like, "Well, you know, you know, Joe, you know, we really wanted Joey to be the drummer, but like Joey couldn't really keep up, and so they wanted to move Joey to the forefront. Joey has Joey Ramone. Everybody. Side note: I think Joey Ramone has one of the best voices of all time. I love Joey Ramone's voice. I can listen <laughs> to Joey Ramone read the phone book. <laughs> like it's just so good. Okay. So, um. They make the switch. Tommy says, fine, I'll play the drums. They put Joey up front. Dee Dee could not play and, and sing at the same time. So they're like, this works perfectly. We'll put Joey up front. Joey would be the front man. Dee Dee, you're just going to play bass. Johnny never moved the guitar. Tommy play drums. So now we have this the formation of what would be like the four core original members of the band. Um so Joey's not like your prototypical singer. Like Joey is literally like six five, and like hundred and twenty pounds, and he looks almost like so frail and sick looking. I like didn't he's realize frail. he was that he's tall. Very yeah, he's like six five. He's a wow. big dude. Um, so Joey was born like out the womb with a, a lot of medical problems. Um, so Joey was actually born with a parasitic twin that was attached to his back that was never fully formed. So they had to immediately when he was born. They was taken out of the womb and they cut um, a dead twin off his back that wasn't fully formed. Yeah, yeah. Um, So they realized at an early age, like, Joey was a little different. Um, He was diagnosed with severe OCD and schizophrenia. He spent a lot of times in his youth, like, in and out of mental institutions. And his OCD was so bad that he would, like, walk downstairs. And if it, like, he landed on, like, An odd number he'd have to go all the way back to the top oh wow and like hit one stair twice to like feel like it was even
1: that makes it tough yeah
0: um but you know the band started to form they started writing all their really classic songs right off the bat um the band would like cut their teeth at like max's kansas city and of course like the most i you know when everyone thinks of the moments they think of cbgb's do you know what cbgb's is
1: I don't think so. So
0: CBGB's is um, this bar club in New York in the Bowery, which was, it was literally. So the Bowery is like, if you think of like, do you know what Skid Row is mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. L.A.? That's like New York Skid Row. Like we're all like the homeless people and the bums hang out. And it started off as like, a you know, like where all the bums and winos hung out. where you, can, you know, people were like scraping pennies together to go buy a shot inside. But the owner had the idea that he wanted to start having live music inside so he started bringing in local bands to to perform so in this one building knocked out all of these great artists the talking heads started from there at the same time blondie started there at the same time um a really great band called television if you've never heard television put this on pause go into spotify or apple music or whatever type in television listen to the album marquee moon Phenomenal stuff. Really, really good. But like this building, like it was just drawing all this great new local art scene and the Ramones were part of it. And um, so every band would take a different night where they would play and people were noticing, hey, every time the Ramones play, this place is like almost full. Like people just loved it. And when they they started in the beginning, Like, there's, you can go and watch like early CBGB shows. They're all on YouTube. Um, You know, they would come out on stage or count one, two, three, four, like they always do to go into the songs. And most of the times it would just start and end up in a fist fight, like between the band members, because they would literally physically argue on stage about what song they were going to play next. Joey would be like, I don't want to play that song. And Johnny's like, No, we're playing this song. And then they would literally start to fight with each other.
1: That's amazing. So they didn't have a set list. No, they
0: just kind of called off songs, like, as they were playing. Um, at this time they had a 20 song set list that went 17 minutes
1: which just goes to show
0: i mean literally like i don't even know if cars go that fast like that's just literally like they would never it was part of their playing style still like even to up when they retire they never really short yeah they're short but They'll never stop and say, hey, everybody, how are you? With the Ramones. Da-da-da. Hey, good to see everybody tonight and talk to the crowd for like two minutes. It was like, all right, thank you. One, two, three, four. Da-da-da-da-da. All right, cool. Thank you. One, two, three, four. Da-da-da. And like literally they would just home their sets to play like at the end when they were retiring, I think they were playing like 35 songs in under 30 minutes, which is just like insane.
1: Yeah, well, there. I don't know. I was just looking at some of the things, the facts that I had pulled up. I don't know what their shortest song was. I mean, they have really short instrumental songs, mm-hmm. um, but their longest song was four minute, four and a half minutes. That's, That's it. Oh it's yeah, is that really what quick. is their longest song? Is, mm-hmm. uh, let
0: me guess. Is it? It's got to be like, "We Want the Airwaves" or is nope. it "Pet Cemetery"? Mm-mm.
1: It is from. So it's from "Halfway to Sanity." Uh, I'll give yeah. you a hint.
0: Uh, Folks, spoiler alert, I'm going to shit all over Halfway to Sanity <laughs> when we get there. So just to let you know how many times I've listened to it. I mean, yes, of course I've so listened to it. So do you know, know what song it no, would? No, I don't. It
1: was Bye Bye Baby, four uh, and a half I mean, minutes.
0: I think I've listened to like Halfway to Sanity maybe three times in my life. It's just <laughs> not good. I'll get into it. I, I'm going to take a giant shit all over it when I get there. But uh, anyway, so Ramon's getting super, super popular on like the bar scene um so the big deal is like they were like the first one to raise their price from a dollar to two dollars and then the three dollars and then the four dollars and then the five dollars and then people were still paying it i mean and you know in 1975 76 five bucks to go see like a local band that's not famous that's that's pretty big actually Mm -hmm. it's pretty decent so um seymour stein from sierra records is brought in to check out the band with his wife linda uh Linder and Seymour Stein they run Sire Records so Sire Records was like in the late 70s early 80s they were like the band they were the label that took shots on like all oh, like the arty rock bands like the Talking Heads were on here one of my favorite bands ever the Smiths they were on here Echo and the Bunny Men stuff like that like not your prototypical like bands that people would want to like go clam after and be like oh my god they were like art projects So they decided, hey, we're gonna take a shot on you. We're gonna put you in a recording studio and we wanna try to capture lightning in a bottle. And so in 1976, they go into the studio, they were given seven days and only a budget of (laughs) $6,400 to record their first ever record. Uh, So Craig Leon, who did Blondie's and The Talking Heads' first record, so kind of like the Sierra Records house producer was the one who produced and Tommy helped as well. And you're gonna notice this is like the one constant is Tommy is usually involved production and producing wise somehow. Okay. Uh, the whole entire album only clocks in at twenty nine minutes, which is absolutely insane. So like we were born into like what we well, I mean. I mean, I was born when vinyl was out, but you pretty much grew up in like the CD I, world. I grew
1: up in cassettes, right?
0: Cassettes and CD world, and I mean, like, at that time, like the CD era, they call it like people were doing like eighty minute, a hundred minute record because like, you could fit it all. Because you could fit all on the CD, it didn't matter. Yeah. So, like, but like, just to have a full record with like I think thirteen to fourteen songs run in at less than a half an hour is mind-boggling. Uh, so Danny Fields who is the, actually the manager of the Stooges, agrees to take them in, and he wants to manage the Ramones. So now Danny Fields is at the helm. It's The whole album is recorded on the eighth floor of Radio City Music Hall, which I never even knew that until I did some research. That's really, really cool. Uh, it's done on only a four-track recording. So like very old school, kind of like the old school Beatle records. They didn't have a crap ton of tracks where they could split things off on. It's literally only, everything is just done but just four tracks, which is mind blowing. Which is why this record, if you listen to it, it's meat and potatoes, it's very, again, very kind of smushed, like tin candy, because they only had four tracks. They had to kind of fit everything into just those four tracks. So you figure like the guitar would be on the left channel with the bass and the drums, and then on the right channel, you would have the vocals. Okay. Um. Here's something I bet. Here's a little bit of trivia. I bet you didn't know that Blitzkrieg Bop was actually originally called Animal Hop. Was it? Yeah. So Tommy was the one who actually came up with the original idea for Blitzkrieg Bop. But like he wrote it about like kids who are excited to go to a concert and jump up and down. And then Dee Dee, who's going to be pretty much from here on out, be the lyricist for the band, was like, you yeah, know, we're not going to sing. Like, that's too happy. Like, that's not, like, daring enough. I'm going to write it about, like, a bunch of Nazi kids in the back seat bouncing up and down Blitzkrieg Bop.
1: Wow. Yes,
0: because he just wanted to be different. Like, they're not – not like, he just wanted something, like, so out there to get attention.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they just – they, they want It's satire, it's exactly. Satire, yeah. It's attention-seeking. I mean, similar – they have a song, the KKK took my baby
0: away. Like, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that.
1: Um. Did you know – so, Blitzkrieg Bop – I this is just a, this is a fact about me not about the Ramones um, despite Blitzkrieg Bop being the song title for the longest time I literally thought they were saying let's keep up
0: oh you told me that before <laughs> that's, that's hilarious
1: all of a sudden I realized oh they're saying the song title you dum dumb, dumb. <laughs> Johnny
0: doesn't I mean well excuse me Johnny Joey doesn't have like the clearest voices of all time like it's it's kind of like let's keep up like yeah, i can understand you can get let's keep up mm-hmm. from there absolutely <laughs> um but obviously you know blitzkrieg pop is kind of like that's the song that most people i would say if you say hey tell me a ramon song 90 percent of the time they'd be like oh like the da 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 like that that blitzkrieg pop song yeah that's the, the one song that everybody seems to know by them mm-hmm. and which is kind of funny because it's like the first cut on their first album it's like the first introduction to the world it's blitzkrieg bop and it's still to this day that's what most people identify the band with is that one song which is interesting to me you know uh going to a deeper dive in that record so the deeper it came out april of 76 um first song first track blitzkrieg bop we don't need to even spend much time talking <laughs> about that everybody knows what blitzkrieg bop is and how great it is that was
1: the self-titled record right
0: that was the self-titled okay. their first their first album is their self-titled record correct um so the second song on the record is again one of my other favorites is beat on the brat uh so lyrically they were looking for lyrics and it was a joey song so joey just literally watched out his window in queens and there was a mother chasing around one of her kids with a baseball bat who was misbehaving mm-hmm. so he just wrote the line beat on the bat beat on the brat beat on the brat with a baseball bat oh yeah and that's was the premise of the song pretty much. Perfect. Um iconically, Judy is a punk. That's another like really, really big one. Judy is a a nod to Joey's mom. Is it? Yeah, Judy okay. is Joey's mom. Um so Joey's mom was actually like very artsy. She ran like an art gallery. And this was like the band's kind of nod to his mom, being like, Hey yeah man, Ju- Judy's a punk. So I always thought that was that was that was quite interesting. Huh. Um, another great song on the record, I Want to Be Your Boyfriend. And boy, let me tell you, I have these, I don't, I've never told you this story. I have the story of all stories with this song. Oh
1: boy, please tell me.
0: So, um, I'm in my late teens, early twenties in a relationship with somebody and I've been dating this girl for a very long time, probably like two and a half, three years. And, um, I kind of had the sneaking suspicion that she was kind of cheating on me. Like, things weren't great. I'm a young, dumb kid. And um, we were, i vividly remember, me and her arguing. I'm kind of throwing it out there. I'm like, I know you're cheating on me with this one dude. His name was Rich. Go figure. Another Rich. Oh,
1: no. And, that um, makes it
0: worse. In the middle of us arguing about it, the phone rings. And this is back in the day where you can have ringtones on your phone. Oh, and this God. dude's ringtone on her phone was, I want to be your boyfriend.
1: Oh. Oh, no yeah
0: and like that she like she like looked at me with horror well like when the phone went off and that's when we broke up
1: why would she make that the
0: ringtone because she's absolutely batshit crazy <laughs> Clearly, clearly. Yeah, I mean, you you were probably the soundest decision that I've ever made, woman-wise. So
1: I will say, I think you made a really great decision (laughs) with me, but I I might be biased.
0: So I I always like to tell everybody that's like I actually never really told you, but I'm telling the world now that story. I think it's funny because that's what I tie that song to.
1: That's really funny.
0: Another great song on the first record is uh, 53rd and 3rd. 53rd and 3rd. I love that song. Do you know what that song is about?
1: No. Mm. Oh, are you going to ruin it for me. So
0: it's a Dee, Dee song. Oh, no. Um, so again, Dee, Dee came from a kind of a broken home, military brat. Um, from a young age, Dee, Dee was kind of a drug-addicted kid. He liked to get in trouble. That was just Dee, Dee. So to fuel his drug habit, he would hang out on the corner of 53rd and 3rd, and he was a male prostitute for other males.
1: Oh, good for him.
0: Uh, Well, he tried to... If you listen to the lyrics of that song, um, then I pulled out my razor blade and I did what God forbade. Now the cops are after me, but Mm. I proved that I'm no sissy. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. he's doing it for money, but he had... No one knows for sure he never wanted to tell anybody if he actually stabbed somebody after oh doing the act God. of getting the money but he was just like trying to get the money but he's trying to prove that he's this big tough dude that he's no sissy and he stabbed the dude
1: interesting yeah
0: it's a very interesting song but I love 53rd and 3rd 53rd and 3rd is such a good song huh. one of my favorite Ramon songs interesting Um to, the album closes but today your love tomorrow the world this is my favorite song on the record I absolutely love today your love tomorrow that's such a great line you know it's a nice line today your love tomorrow the world like it's they write these great like pop love songs if you can get through like the really fast guitar or the jokes a lot of it is just like these really classic bubblegum American pop like boy and girl love songs mm-hmm. it's fantastic um also oh, I almost forgot to talk about like one of the most controversial songs on the record now I want to sniff some glue <laughs> so that's like that's a good song now i want to sniff some glue uh it was actually dd's pastime when he was a kid who will tell you he stopped sniffing glue at 12.
1: oh my god yeah like when did Didi, he
0: start sniffing glue? probably dd is an interesting human being we could do a whole podcast on dd ramon trust wow. me um but yeah dd claims that when he was 12 he stopped sniffing glue and the song was supposed to be a cautionary tale. And he only did it because he was bored. That's why the line, you know, now I want to sniff some glue. Now I just want to have something to do.
1: So the song's supposed to be a cautionary tale. But I, it's this is what, if you listen to D. D. Ramon,
0: <laughs> it, the few brain cells he has, that's what he would tell people in interviews.
1: <laughs> Please don't sniff glue, children.
0: Yeah, don't sniff glue. Or adults. Or adults. Just, just, just don't <laughs> sniff. Don't sniff any solvents. Like, this is not good. <laughs> so, um,. Again, the record gets out. Doesn't really break that big in America. And nobody really cares. But all of a sudden, they are massive in the UK. They're huge in England. And the first record is like godlike in the wow. UK. Um, so July 4th, 1976. I always thought that was so cool. July 4th, 1976. On America's... 1776 was like the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So July 4th. 1976, the Ramones decided they were going to go to the UK and take over London. And they did like three or four shows at one of the bigger auditoriums they had, the Roundhouse. The Roundhouse is very big and popular, like the punk and metal scene.
1: That Um, feels like a very like F you to America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to embrace us. You're not going to love us. Like we're going to go to the UK.
0: So at this time, like this is before like the real big punk movement in the UK, like you're even in the world, like no one ever throws out the words. Punk. So at that show, you have The Damned, you have The Clash, The Sex Pistols. Like, before they're even formed, these bands are there. They may have written, like, one or two songs, really. And who who there's came this...
1: first? The Clash of The Ramones? The Ramones.
0: Okay. Oh, we're going to talk about that, trust me. And I love The Clash. <laughs> um, so outside their window at, this, at the concert, someone's throwing stones at the window to get their attention, and it's Joe Strummer from The Clash. Oh, wow. And he's outside with all of the members of the Clash and the Sex Pistols, and Johnny opens the window and was like, what do you want? And, you know, J- Joe Strum was like, hey, this is the Clash, and this is the this is Sex Pistols, and we need to get in. We want to watch you guys. We're bands, and we love you. And they snuck them in through the window. Oh, how cool. The, yeah, the, so the Ramones brought the two bands in. They, carried, they formed, like, a human chain and brought them in That's through cool. the window. That's really cool. And... You know johnny was like oh man like you guys are a band, like you're, you're a punk, you know like a rock band i haven't heard of you guys and you know and joe Strummer's was like oh we're horrible and oh johnny laughed and goes huh wait till you hear us we suck <laughs> and we're here so keep going I and lo and behold it spawned the punk movement in the uk so like like the rowans are godlike in uk i always found that very funny the ramones come back home record a record in january 1977 their second album is released leave home so it's kind of like talking about you know how they're going out on the road and they're going all over the world and they're going on tour um they return to the studio they, cho- they want to write songs with a little more structure and a little more sophistication so they get a different promoter a uh, different uh producer this time around they get tony bon jovi to help produce the record yes if you notice the last name that bon jovi so that is John Bon Jovi's uncle.
1: Wait, what was the second record? Did you say?
0: Uh, Leave home is their second record. Huh. Ooh. What are are I, you...
1: I had never heard of that one, and I was looking. Okay, 1977. So that I had Rocket to Russia as 19, or did they release two in that? They year?
0: released two in 1977. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So at the beginning of 1977, they released Leave Home. That's their second record. Tony Bon Jovi takes over does something producing with tommy um it's a little more production on the record it doesn't sound like a tin can they kind of spend a little more time with the production on it so it does sound a little better you know they have like classic songs on here like you know gimme gimme shock treatment pinhead which is like everyone knows pinhead Pinhead. yeah i don't want to be a pinhead no more um it has one of their best cover songs the ramones are so good with covers They do a great cover of California Sun on this record. Like, I never even knew that this was a cover. I always thought that this was like a Ramones song. I had no idea that it was actually a cover song.
1: What is it? uh, Who did it originally?
0: Oh, my God. I can't think of the name of the band. California.
1: I'll look it up. Yeah,
0: please. Um, So record-wise, when the record first comes out, there's a song on there called Carabona Not Glue. So Carabona... it's like a glue remover. So oh, they're telling kids now to sniff Carabona. Don't sniff glue because it's stronger. And Carabona is actually a brand name. They turned around and sued the Ramones when the record came out and was like, you can't use the name Carabona on the record. Like, you because okay. you it's a brand name. So the first presses have Carabona, not glue on it. And then they took it off the the represses. So if you have a true first press of the record, Carabona and Not Glue" is not on, is on there, and which is actually a great song.
1: Interesting. I have um, an
0: original first press, so ha. Huh.
1: <laughs> so this says "California Sun." To yes. Take it back. Is a rock song first recorded by American rhythm and blues singer Joe Jonas.
0: Uh, I have no idea who that is. Henry That's... Glover
1: is a, is credited on the original 45 as a songwriter. Okay. But it was sung by Joe Jonas.
0: Okay. I never knew who the original... Not I, of the Jonas Brothers. Not of the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so the second album comes out. You know, again, it's not setting the world on fire. They're torn everywhere. They're like... At this point, like they go on a tour with Black Sabbath, and they open up for Black Sabbath, and they're booed off the stage. Oh, no. Yeah, no one gets the Ramones. They're booed off the stage. <laughs> then they go on tour with, with um, Blue Oyster Cold. And I love Blue Oyster Cold. But let me tell you something, the Ramones and Blue Oyster Cult, nothing could be further apart. Like The Ramones is three chords, fast. We're not being flashy. We're here to show you our music, and then we're done. Bluestar Cole, well, they're they're musicians. Like they mm-hmm. play long solos. Their songs are like yes. eight minutes long, and I think that's why I like the Ramones so much. Is because you can like this is music that you could do. Some of the first songs I ever learned how to play on the guitar was Ramones songs. Yeah, you can pick up the guitar and go. Um,
1: well, and you you have those same the same beat chords. Yeah. it's all it's repetitive mm-hmm. throughout a lot. Mean of potatoes. It's there. like ACDC. Yeah, it's mean potatoes. Yep
0: that's why I like about it so much. So they're touring everywhere. It's not it's not happening. Like they're they're not breaking like they should in America. Um so by the time they come and they have another record already ready to go and be recorded in 1977 they go in the studio. Tommy grabs them and says, "I can't do this anymore. Like I can't. I'm literally losing my mind. I'm becoming like dependent on alcohol and drugs i'm losing my mind i cannot do this anymore let me stay on and just be like a producer and an associate to the band yeah so they go out and they find the next member of the ramones they find my man marky marky ramone is a really good drummer um but they want him to do the tour for rocket to russia but the drums on the record are recorded by tommy
1: oh interesting so
0: like he had time to like go in hang out with the band kind of learn the songs in the studio even though marky wasn't recorded on on the the drum tracks the drum tracks are actually done by tommy okay yeah that's a Um, fun fact so november 1977 folks one of the greatest albums of all time when i mean greatest albums of all time rockets of russia they call it punk's finest half hour and it really is
1: would you say that's your favorite album of theirs yes
0: hands down not even close like Rockets of Russia is hands down the best Rurones record ever. It's a top 10 record for me. If you're going to own a Rurones record, make it this one. Uh,
1: uh, it is not my favorite album of
0: theirs. Oh, we're going to fight it. Uh, <laughs> so Bon Jovi and Tommy again are going to produce. Again, Tommy you know leaves the band, but stays on as the associate. Um, Marky Ramone is there, is learning the songs as everything kinda comes along. But literally, I could say, track-wise on this record, it's every single song. Every single song is fantastic. There's not a bad song on this record. Cretan Hop. Rockaway Beach, which should... Rockaway Beach should be the American national anthem. (laughs) all right that song is it's so happy if i'm ever in a bad mood put rockaway beach on and i'm in a happy mood Just chewing out the rhythm on my bubble gum the sun is out and i want some it's not hard not far to reach we can hitch a ride to rockaway beach like it's rock,
1: rock, it, beach. it's
0: such like a beautiful pop. So like i don't understand why this isn't like everyone's like oh this is like the national anthem of summer see
1: it's too bubblegummy for me oh i love I it so love much it
0: it's good well that's like their thing is like they love that kind of music Mm
1: -hmm, clearly yeah
0: they do um so here today gone tomorrow sheen is a punk rocker is a huge song on the record we're a happy family teenage lobotomy do you want to dance ramona we actually named our hamster ramona when we when we had a hamster (laughs) we named her ramona for a year (laughs) yeah we named her ramona another great cover on there the surfing bird they do they do cover surfing bird on there um it's the best album of all time, folks. Rocket to Russia. Go listen to Rocket to Russia. It's phenomenal. Um, so, again, they go out on tour. They think this is their going to be their big break. This is what's going to break them into the world. Surprise, it's not. Again, doesn't really chart, doesn't do anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Marky goes out on tour with them and now is doing all the drums they go back in the studio and they say, OK, 1978, we are going to write the most commercially appealing album that we can. And it is called Road to Ruin. And by the look on your face, you're going to tell me this is your favorite Ramones <laughs> record, isn't it? It's
1: my favorite.
0: It's up there. It's a good record. It's not bad.
1: It's, they, you're saying commercial, but it was their first, to me... That was the first time they broke away from that bubble gum, that repetitiveness. It had, a, it felt like it had more feeling in it. Okay.
0: Needles and pins. Needles and pins. That. <clears throat>
1: that's a cover song. Is it really? Yeah. Dang. The, ser-
0: the searchers. That's a searchers song. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: and I want to be sedated. You're gonna tell me, don't. That's not. A, please tell me that's not a cover.
0: No, that's one. That's that song yeah. is
1: fantastic.
0: I understand, and a lot of people. Like, I would say that's the second most popular Ramon song that everyone kind of like. Relates to the Ramones. Um, it's just a true statement. Joey was in a mental institution at the time mm-hmm. and wrote the song out that he wants to be sedated. He couldn't take it anymore. He just wanted to be sedated. Um, I get it. Wrote to ruin. Like they tried to be a little I'll, more polished, a little it. more commercial. I get it. Um, I just want. I want to have something to do. Good song. Hanging out on Second Avenue, eating chicken vandaloo. Like. <laughs> Whatever. You may have fun of the lyrics, but it's great. Don't don't Come Close is a good song. Obviously, Needles and Pins, even though it's a cover, it's one of my favorite Ramones songs. It's so good. It's a good it's song. It's so good. Uh, I Want to Be Sedated, obviously. We can talk about that to death, but everyone knows I Want to Be Sedated. Um, She's the One is another really great song on that record. So, I mean, again, really good record. Doesn't do anything. <laughs> like, again, like, they're trying to be popular. It's not happening. So, by the time... 1979 and 78 comes around i mean excuse see me 1979 1980 comes around they're kind of like hey we're just going to kind of try to do music for us now It's that there's like and then there's one last final plea but before that before they go into the next final plea record they actually go in and they record a movie did you know that there's actually like a movie that stars the ramones
1: I didn't I only knew it when I was doing some research. Yeah. That was not something I Rock had and Roll not. High
0: School. <laughs> Rock and roll high school is such a great movie and it's such a great soundtrack. I've never seen it. When I was a kid, oh my god, I had the biggest crush on Riff Randall. <laughs> she was just, you know, this you know, Gorgeous blonde girl. She'd be like, "Hey, what's up?" Everybody, like, I'm riff Randall, rock and roller. That's how she would introduce herself to everybody in the movie. And you were like, "Yep." Yeah, that's kind of right up my I'm alley, gonna marry, right up my I'm gonna speed. Marry her. <laughs> but um, if you've never seen it, go see it. It's cool. It's a cool gimmicky movie. It's like the Ramones take over the high school. You know what I'm saying? They blow up the high school at the end. To, uh, to Alice Cooper's school's out. Oh, like
1: spoiler it. alert. Yeah. I know. Well, I
0: know. Go figure. Um. So, at this time, there's, like, that big final plea and final push that, like, okay, maybe Tommy just doesn't know what he's doing. Tommy couldn't bring us to the forefront where we wanted to go. And they, in their fifth record, they did End of the Century. They did it with Phil Spector. Now, Phil Spector is, like, the Righteous Brothers, and, like, he created what is called the Wall of Sound. So, like, all that bubblegum Early '50s, mm-hmm. '60s pop stuff—that was all Phil, that was all Phil Spector stuff. He was the one produced it. He helped write it. He's the most widely known producer. He did The Beatles' "Let It Be," which is actually the worst Beatles record because Phil Spector killed The Beatles with Aww. that record. Um, and he would end up killing the Ramones with this record. <laughs> it, it's it 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 it's supposed to be the match made in heaven. It doesn't work. It just it just doesn't work like it there's too big of personalities between between phil Spector and the ramones like joey's all into it because joey thinks that phil ramone uh jesus phil Spector is a god because all the songs that joey ramones love it, it's by phil specter and phil specter thinks that joey ramone is the most underrated voice in music and he's obsessed with joey ramone's voice and he wants the whole album to feature joey ramone's voice um Spectre just took the balls out of the band. Oh, like no. if you if you listen to that to, to end of the century, it's just it, there's that big loud sound isn't there. Like the big loud boring Ramon sound. It's just it's so the band is in a really bad place at this point. Like they're you know, they're all Didi's Dee out of his mind on heroin. Marky and Joey are drunks. Johnny doesn't drink, doesn't do anything. He's like the militant one in the band. He's trying to keep everything going, surviving. And Johnny and Phil Spector hate each other, mm-hmm. like because they're two very opposite people. Okay. Um, they do a, um, they record a version of Rock and Roll High School, another version, and it opens up with uh, a chord, jing. It's it's an open E chord, ding. He made Johnny record that chord seventy times oh, in a row because it just didn't sound right. And that's when Johnny said, "You know what? Fuck this. I'm done. I'm going back to New York. I'm not working with that guy anymore." The story was Phil Spector ran outside with a gun to try to get Johnny to get him to come back. As Phil Spector's a nut, Phil Spector actually ended up being committed of murder. Like oh, like years word. later, he's a nutcase. But, but uh, yeah, he carried around a gun with him wherever he went, and. The, the, the stories were that he held the Ramones like captive at one point at a party. And he didn't want them to leave. And like he brought out his gun and was like oh pointing my. it out of the wouldn't let him leave. Oh
1: my gosh. The,
0: if you ask half the bands, like, yes, that happened. The other half of the bands, like, no, that's bullshit. That never happened.
1: Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
0: It's very interesting. But the only good song on this record is Rock and Roll Radio. Do you remember Rock and Roll Radio? Good song. But the rest of it is really bad. It was supposed to be their big breakthrough with the Phil Phil Spector Wallace sound. It doesn't work.
1: Okay.
0: It just doesn't work. So, with that record, honestly, I think, like I said, do you remember Rock and Roll Radio? Like, that's, it still kind of stands up the test of time. Cool song, but that's really the only song <laughs> out of End of the Century that stands up. The, the version of Rock and Roll High School is horrible. Like, mm-hmm. Phil Spector just ruins the song way better version on rock and roll high school soundtrack with uh the ramones engineer ed steedsum that's called the ed steedsum mix that's the one to listen to so this is released shocking doesn't chart really well doesn't go that well they expected this was going to be like maybe phil specter was the missing link Like, he was going to lead them to fame in America. And it did not work. (laughs) It did not work. It did not pop like they thought they were going to. So 1981, they go back to the studio, and they go, okay, we know that we're not going to be the world's most popular band. We are kind of what we are. Let's just kind of continue on the path that we're on and just be happy with it. So 1981... I feel this is the Ramones' most underrated record. Uh, Pleasant Dreams. But it's their most underrated record, but the band's kind of an absolute disarray at this point. You know, Marky and Joey are v- heavy alcoholics at this point. Dee Dee's barely functional with all of his heroin addictions. You know, to make matters worse, Joey's girlfriend at the time leaves him... Uh-oh. ...for Johnny. No! So... Womp
1: yeah, womp. Yeah.
0: Now, Joey and Johnny already can't stand each other. These are two people who, like, if you were to pick two opposite people in this world, it would be Joey Ramone and Johnny Ramone. Joey Ramone, big, tall, goofy Jewish kid from Queens, hardcore liberal, like... And then you have Johnny. I love the military. When he was, like, 16 years old, he was trying to campaign for Richard Nixon. Hardcore (laughs) conservative. These two hate each other wow and then this happens and joey was like devastated because like no one made a big deal of it like no one was like hey like joey must be really upset about this like no one talked about it because that you're gonna notice is the theme with the ramones they don't talk to each other they're just like "Eh."
1: i mean mental health sounds like a struggle with the ramones yeah
0: so they try to act like nothing is wrong uh he's upset that no one cares about his feelings and this just carries on a grudge between the two of them that literally doesn't end, like, just to the day they die. It doesn't end.
1: <laughs> did the girlfriend stay with Johnny, or did mm-hmm. she end Johnny, up like, uh, like, Johnny married? Johnny Linda
0: ended up being married to the day that Johnny died. Wow. Yeah. So you can imagine, like, it's weird, right? This is just, like, a very weird situation. That is really weird. So there are a couple different people who say a couple different things about the KKK took my baby away. Some people, like, the management at the time were like, that's a song that Joey wrote about Johnny and Linda. You know, she went away for a holiday, mm. said she's going to LA. She never got there. The KKK took my baby away because to Johnny, to Joey, Johnny was like the KKK. Like he was like everything yeah, that he stood against. That makes sense. If you ask Marky Ramon, Marky goes, nope. At that point, Joey had a breakdown. He had to go into a mental institution wow. again. Fell in love with a black girl that was inside the mental institution with him. And then once um, the girl's parents found out that she was like into Johnny and I mean, excuse me, jo- into Joey, Joey yeah. they moved her out and they moved her into a different mental institution. Oh, wow. So it's up in the air of what, take your pick, <laughs> what that song <laughs> is mean, like. I it fits
1: for either one. Yeah.
0: It, but to me, it's like top three Ramone songs for me. I absolutely love the song. KKK Took My Baby Away is a great song. Um. So, even more controversy with this record, the Ramones go to Sear and they're like, Hey, we want Steve Lillywhite to produce this time around. And they're like, No, we're not going to give you Steve Lillywhite. No way. We want Graham Goldman to produce this record. Now, Graham Goldman has done like the Hollies and the Yardbirds and Herman's Hermits <laughs> stuff that's like very the opposite of what the Ramones sound is. So, the sessions are just plagued with musical problems. Johnny wants that harder sound while Joey wants a more pop punk sound. Like he wanted to kind of like create the pop punk era. And like that's what Joey wanted to do. But Johnny was like, no, we need to stick to our roots in heavy guitar, heavy driven stuff. So some of the songs in the record are very poppy. Some of the songs on the record are super heavy. You can just tell kind of who's going back and forth with these. Interesting. It turned out to be an awesome record, though. It really, really did. KKK took my baby away. The what, song we what want. What was the
1: name of this record?
0: Uh, pleasant dreams. Oh, okay. Yeah, pleasant dreams. Um, we want the airwaves was like the biggest fu to the radio, who would never play the Ramones. So that's something we never touched upon. I'm going to touch upon this really quick. So you could say the whole like punk movement, when that broke, people in America were paranoid of the word punk because it was just like kids with safety pins in their cheeks and their lips starting <laughs> fights and the Ramones got lumped into that so they're like Uh, oh, no we're not going to play them on the air because we don't want people coming in and spitting on us and because in the early days of punk like the Sex Pistols and the Clash they call it gobs like if you were a big band and people liked you they would spit on you when you were on stage oh and that was their whole thing is like the more spit you get covered with is like you getting more respect from the crowd. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> so like they got lumped in with that and the Ramones were like, yeah, we're not that like, why are you lumping us in with that? Like, yeah, like they think we're like, you know, they think we're gods, but like, don't please don't put us in with that. Like we're not, you know, we're not like that kind of punk scene to me. It's all bull crap. Because punk was just like a phase, almost like the early like British punk, like the Clash first record, yeah, very punk. Like the Ramones, listened to the first album because like first punk, uh, first Clash record was seventy nine, so right around like end of the century. Yeah, Joey thought Joey and Johnny both thought it was the biggest rip off of all time. Like, like oh, they're ripping us off. Yeah, the I mean, Sex the Sex Pistols. If you listen the to minorities. them, they can't play; it's just a marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. Like. Say whatever you want. People like the Sex Pistols or whatever. But to me, it's like musically, there's not much there. Okay. So that's why, like, that was maybe my theory of why they never get to take off in America is because they were lumped in with all that bad kind of karma, and they're like, ah, we don't want to make this scene bigger than it already is over the UK. Yeah,
1: there was also a lot more restrictions in America on what was allowed to be played Mm -hmm. versus what was allowed to be played in the UK. Correct. They had just seen, you know, Beatles Mania, and they were were probably nervous about that.
0: So the song, We Want the Airwaves, is kind of like their F you to the, you know, to the public. They're like, hey, we want the airwaves, We we want it to be played. Yeah. So... A great song go listen to it uh the song don't go is really good and joey's classic song this business is killing me <laughs> it, it was killing oh, him literally i know so record seven comes around 1983 subterranean jungle um richie cordell is producing this time he did like tommy james and the shandells um songs like you know like mony mony and stuff like that, Money that Money. yeah like that's that's where okay. where he produced this is a return to like a harder sound of the band. Um, but the band isn't even communicating whatsoever at this point. Like they would come in, they would do rehearsals, nobody would talk to each other. Everybody would come come in, plug in, rehearse, and then leave without saying a word to each other. Oh, wow. Um, people share on this record, but I think it's pretty good. Um, it took time to grow on me. It was one of those ones that was kind of like a slow mover for me. Because, like at first, which, it was like. Which
1: one was the slow mover? Um, Subterranean, Subterranean Jungle. Subterranean Jungle, okay.
0: 1983. Um, good songs Outsider is a phenomenal song Outsider is a really really good song Psychotherapy is a good song Time Bomb Every Time I Eat My Vegetables I Think of You <laughs> that's that's on Subterranean Jungle
1: longest song title
0: that is their longest song title <laughs> but um, I, again it took time to grow on me because like you can just tell the turmoil in the band at this point like it's just it's weird it's you, it's, it's palatable it comes out in the record but I like it okay um so in 1984, they come out with Too Duff to Die. Too Duff to Die is like Dee Dee's trying to pull the band back together. But before they go back into the studio to record this record, it's the first ever Ramon show that they have to cancel. And oh, it's wow. because Marky is physically unable to perform because he's too drunk. Oh, no. So the militant, not understanding of much, Johnny freaks out says you know what fuck you you're fired i can't believe you let us down we have to cancel the show we don't let people down you're fired fires marky fires their drummer wow so
1: did they bring tommy back
0: no oh. <laughs> <laughs> because at this point like they're kind of mad at tommy cuz they think tommy was the reason that like he was producing on most of those records and he, and he was their advisor and he's like, Well, maybe it was him that was like keeping us out of like you know mm-hmm. the top ten. Maybe mm-hmm. it was Tommy, but it really wasn't. <laughs> so due to this complication with his drinking, they fire Marky. They bring in a young, unknown drummer, and his name's Richie Ramone. Now, Richie Ramon is a younger kid. A younger kid and just injects kind of like even more speed now into the already fast placing speed of the ramones so that's the first thing i get from too tough to die is it's a very fast record like it's 150 miles an hour rather than 130 like it already sounds quicker
1: <laughs> what's like is, is there a song on that that i would know warthog okay
0: warthog is like the big big song out of that record right. howling at the moon was yep. on there too um so again, they're kind of mad at Tommy. Dee Dee wants to bring Tommy back in mm-hmm. to produce this record.
1: Yeah.
0: So they say, fine, we'll let Tommy produce, but Ed Stasem is now not the engineer. He has to co-produce with Tommy. So they both have to agree Until on ideas. Keep him in check. Yeah, but so so it's just it's a lot of craziness right now. But Dee Dee's trying to bring the band back together. Throw his, a new drummer into the mix, we're at, dismay, we're at disarray. But the album's pretty good. It really, really is. You know, Warthog's a really good song. Howling at the Moon's a really good song. This doesn't even chart. Like, it falls off the charts. Like, yeah. it, now people are starting to pay less and less attention to the Ramones. 1986 comes around their ninth record, Animal Boy. And oh my goodness, this is the first one that I will label shit sandwich. <laughs> It's not good. Uh, there's not much r- to write home about this record. It's super unfocused and it sounds really bad and really thin. You know, most r- rowan's records like have that real big ballsy sound to it. This didn't. jean uh, Boyer from the uh, Plasmatics, a-, a punk band, the Plasmatics. Mm-hmm. He was actually the producer. Oh no. Of the record, so they're just trying every new producer at this point. Even Anything. people who haven't produced yeah. at this point. Seen what? This is, is 31 minutes of music you don't need to listen to. <laughs> i'm sorry i love the ramones they're one of my favorite bands but don't listen to animal boy
1: okay good to know
0: um 1987 halfway to sanity comes out it's just as bad as animal boy in my opinion uh the new producer daniel ray who would produce every ramones record now from this point on daniel ray would have a hand in it again not as much to note here uh the song i want to live is pretty decent and that's about it to be honest after this album's recorded, they go in on tour they get to support the record. Uh, Richie, who's, Richie Ramone, who's the new drummer, has been in the band for like almost three and a half, four years now. And then one night after the show, he's noticing like, wow, everyone leaves here with a Ramones t-shirt. I've been here for like almost three year, three and a half, four years. Maybe I should ask for a cut of the t-shirt money since I've been here for so long. Goes up to Johnny. Johnny, who is pretty much... The leader of the band makes all the financial decisions and he says, hey, you know, I've been in the band for a while, like I've recorded albums with you guys, maybe it's time I get a cut of the t-shirt money. And Johnny has his guitar in his hands, he drops his guitar and says, fuck you, you're fired, you're not getting a dime of t-shirt money, Oh my get God. out. So Johnny fired him right there on the spot.
1: That's a bit of an <laughs> over- overreaction. for t-shirt
0: money, he said, get out.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: and Johnny get to make all those Johnny rolled with the Iron Fist. So now they're left without a drummer again halfway through the tour. Yikes. So they bring in Elvis Ramon to finish the tour. Elvis Ramon is just Clive, Clive Burke from uh, Blondie. It's Blondie's drummer. Okay. So Blondie's drummer uh, agrees to come in and help finish the tour for halfway to Sanity. Um, it didn't last long because they're like, look, especially Joey was like, can we please bring Marky back? Marky was like the, 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 the backbone sound of the band. Can we please bring Marky back? Johnny get over it and said, hey, we want you to become sober. Prove to me that you can be sober for a little bit. And Johnny, um, excuse me, Marky at that point, they all end with why it's hard to get their <laughs> names out. He goes into rehab, he works the program, and then from like 1987 to this day, Marky hasn't touched a drink. Okay. Yeah, so he goes completely sober.
1: Do you want, so halfway to Sanity, mm-hmm. I have fun fact for you. Please. Halfway to Sanity, Please. which makes a little bit more sense now knowing that Elvis came, or Elvis Ramon came on board. Mm-hmm. So um, Debbie Harry from, yeah, Blondie from Blondie sung backup vocals. She did. On Go Little Camaro.
0: She did. She, she absolutely did. Yeah. So they always had that connection to Blondie because mm-hmm. Blondie was one of those bands from the CBGB days. But, you know, they always had that tight connection to, you know, Blondie and to television and Talking Heads and stuff like that, all on the same label. Um, this goes on now, 1989's Brain Drain. This is the return of Marky to the studio. This is a much better record. It's not a classic, like, like, the classic era I would consider the first, the first five records, I'd consider them to be like that classic era. This isn't up to that point, but it's still like a really good record. It's, it's a much better record. Um, turns out more of their classic sound. They go, you know, and at this point, Stephen King is doing his movie Pet Cemetery, and he's like, oh, man, like I, I want someone to write the theme song to the movie Pet Cemetery. and he's a massive Ramones fan, and he approaches the Ramones and is like, hey, can you write a, a theme song to this movie that I'm about to put out? Like the book I wrote, Pet Cemetery, they're making it into a movie. I want you guys to do the theme song crew it, so they rewrite the song. Pet cemetery. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. It's phenomenal, really good song. Um, I believe in miracles is on that record. Good song too. Um, they do an awesome cover of Palisades Park. Check that out too. Who,
1: who was that originally? Do you know?
0: I do not know who who did that. Actually, that mm-hmm. this is this is your time to shine. Producer. All right. I'll Google. Um, but the the other big thing that's on there is. Their christmas song merry christmas i don't want to fight tonight you know it's christmas time right now it, you know if you if you've never heard that song go out and check it out merry christmas i don't want to fight is a phenomenal phenomenal song so oh should, we're it looking looks, like the producers found
1: it looks like it was freddie cannon
0: do not know who freddie cannon is but right on the freddie cannon uh palisades park has done much better i'm sure than the Like the remotes do a better job at it, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure. All right. So by the time record 12 comes around, they break their contract with Sarah Records. So every, like, I always like to go through and say, hey, look for this press. Hey, look for this. Let me tell you something. With the Sarah catalog, it was done once and then they repressed them again in like the early 2000s. Those are the only two pressings you're ever going to find of most of these records. The, the yellow Sarah Raber label. So mm-hmm. you're either getting like an original press, which prices for original presses, these records, very pricey because lo and behold, they didn't sell a whole, whole of a lot. So everything <laughs> that you see out there is usually like the, the 180 represses that come out. But if you can ever get your hands on original, I have a couple originals that have come to me in strange ways. One, I got out of a dollar bin. I couldn't believe it, it was actually leave home.
1: That's the best way that, to find them. Like, that's that's And the record was, like, pristine, when that happens.
0: but the cover was all messed up, and I was like, and then I was cashing out. I was like, oh, I can't believe this is only a dollar. And the owner of the record store was like, oh, yeah, but the cover's all messed up. And so I think that might be one of the greatest grabs that I've ever had for a dollar. I get an original <laughs> Ramones record, and one of the harder ones, too, to find, Leave Home, that's one, definitely one of the harder ones to find. And it was an original press, too. It had carabona glue on it, which is even crazier. Nice
1: yeah congratulations yeah so
0: that's one of my my shining record collecting moments because i'm a nerd and that's my favorite thing um so Mono bizarro comes out is the first one that is not on the Sarah label it's on radioactive records um not great not great <laughs> just not if, great. if you're noticing a, a pattern here like brain drain might have been the, the the best thing that they've done but like not great um after finishing the tour, Dee, Dee calls it quits. And at this point, Dee, Dee actually um, says, I'm quitting the band and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be a rap artist.
1: Oh, no tell joke. me more. So Is, at this at this it, point are there rap albums? There
0: are. There there's one album that he did. It's not and Ramone, it's called DD King.
1: Oh my god, I need it.
0: <laughs> um please go go on YouTube and watch the music video. It's Phenomenal for Funky Man.
1: Oh, everything about that sounds fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like the whole, like the band is looking at him they're like, dude, you, you left us to go be a, a rap artist? Like, Dee Dee is a strange man. Well, and that, it and sounds that's... like they
1: had been struggling to get something else to stick.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it. like Dee, Dee was like, oh, well, screw it. If I'm not going to be famous, I want to do something that's going to make me happy. And, you know, that's what he wanted to do. He was going to be happy. I love it. But, you know, D.D. really was the primary creative force in the band who wrote most of the lyrics. So it's a huge void in the band's songwriting process. Uh, D.D. is going to be replaced by C.J. Ramon, another young, unknown kid. Uh, C.J. would be with the band until they disbanded. So C.J. was with the band for a while. But, again, on Mondo Bizarro, there's not even anything really to listen to. Like, I can't even give you a song. that would be like, oh, this song is great. Mono Bizarro is not good. I don't like Mono Bizarro. Uh, in 1993, they do their 13th record, which is actually pretty decent. It's called Acid Eaters. This is a whole entire album of covers.
1: I was gonna say I have some fun facts about Acid Eaters. Oh, sweet, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so, the, like, if there's one thing that the Ramones are actually really good at, I don't think they do a bad cover. Like, they take a song and they put it in, into their own style, and they do it great. Go listen to like this, uh, the the cover of Journey the Center of the Mind. Or the Who's substitute, which is one of my favorite Who song, but they do it such justice. It sounds great. Their cover of Somebody to Love is really good. Acid Eaters is great.
1: So Pete Townsend actually did backup vocals with them. I never knew that. On, really on substitute. I didn't know that. Yep. yep. No kidding. There's your one of your fun facts. Oh no
0: kidding! I never knew they that.
1: had so three of their songs on Acid Eaters, uh, substitute being one of them. There were two other songs that had guest backup vocals um one of them so obviously you know substitute was pete townsend sebastian bach from skin from road, skin <laughs> road no kidding did uh guest backing vocals on out of time
0: oh that's cool and
1: then the weirdest one to me <laughs> i still um tracy lords she was an underage porn star yes at the tracy lords yeah <laughs> she did backup vocals on somebody to love
0: really mm-hmm. get the hell out i actually never did hats off to you jessica good job Thank
1: you. Do you want one other fun? Please. <laughs> this
0: one is not just about
1: Acid Eaters, but they, like you said, you lo- you think their covers are great. Yeah. They knew that. Yeah. So, except for four albums. So, all of their albums, except for four. so Have covers on them. Have at least one cover yeah. song. On no kidding.
0: Can- the, their covers are great. Like yeah. They do very good with covers. Um, so in 1994 they go on the tour for Acid Eaters, and they're just like you know what it is what it is why don't we just call it a career and they (laughs) wanted they wanted to end up not being a parody of themselves which i can almost appreciate they're like you know what we can we're still kind of relevant the kids still kind of like us we can we, we play places that are like 1500 and they sell them out but like why don't we stop now before people tell us to go away?
1: Yeah, it's strange to me that they felt like they were so unpopular Correct. or that they were like stuck because right around that same they they were featured on the Simpsons too like right they around were. that same time. So, I mean that to me That says popularity.
0: That scene in the Simpsons is one of my favorite scenes ever. <laughs> um it's hilarious they they come and they sing happy birthday to Mr. Burns. <laughs> And they're like, ah, go to hell, you old bastard. And Mr. Burns is so mad. He's, like, shaking. He looks at Mr. Smithers. He goes, Smithers, have the Rolling Stones killed. <laughs> and he's like, sir. He goes, listen to what I say. Have the Rolling Stones killed. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Oh. So, yeah, but I, I agree. Like, they're one of those bands, I think they're just so self-conscious that they can never see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. They never understood, like, how iconic they were and, like, how, like, every band was like, oh my God, they're like royalty. Like they, they are the reason that we play the music that we play. Current day right now, who do you think is like the biggest rock band? Like you would say of like the last 30 years, who do you think would be the biggest rock band? Like if you would say like, everyone knows this rock band, but.
1: Of oh, the last 30 years yeah. or like right now?
0: They're, or even Or even right now. Like who do you think is like, rock band like that's like current that uh, like metallica correct i agree with you but that
1: i would Metall- metal i think i think no nah. they're they're, they're metal. metal they're a metal band rock but, metal. but yeah
0: but they'll tell you they're not a band without the following two bands they're not a band without the ramones they're not a band without motorhead
1: okay i can see that
0: if those two bands don't exist the biggest band on the planet right now doesn't exist, like it just doesn't, like that. Like their sound came from, is a mash of those two bands. Yeah, it's
1: not that Metallica wouldn't exist, but they would have. Maybe they still exist, but with a a sound and we wouldn't know them. Like correct, it'd be a much
0: this. different sound. They wouldn't be as big as they yeah. were. Um, there was this great, great, great interview with uh, Joey Ramone and Lemmy from Motorhead. At the same time, they were like best friends. Like they got along really together, really well. Motorhead actually wrote a song called Ramones as kind of like a a nod to them. Did Ramones write a song called Motorhead? They did not. That's rude. I know, that's rude. Um, But Lemmy, in, in the interview, had the most greatest saying of all time, that he was like, you know what? He goes, you know why we get along together so well? It's because Motorhead is the only acceptable metal band that punk's like, and the Ramones are the only acceptable punk band that Metalhead's like.
1: Okay,
0: and it's dead true. Like the like people who are just like I only listen to metal, they like the Ramones. Okay, people like punks, they love Motorhead, and that's like the most <laughs> metal that they get. And they're like, yeah, Motorhead. I would have
1: loved to have seen like some sort of collab record between the two of
0: them. So they always talked about going on tour together. And they're like, oh, maybe we should just go on tour together. And like they' like they just called it like the Ramones called it quits before like anything Ugh. anything like that could have happened.
1: That would have been amazing
0: i agree with you so in 1995 they go into the studio the 14th record the aptly named adios amigos
1: bye 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 bye
0: this is it there's the band throwing in the towel on their career um joey's really starting to get sick at this point and the constant touring is really 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 getting on his health um dd does come back knowing that it's the last record but he doesn't want to play on it he only wants to contribute songs he's like hey i'll help write songs mm-hmm. and i have no interest in playing on stage or playing on the record i'll help you write songs though so dd Dee Dee does help with co-writing a bunch of the songs on the record it doesn't help that much because the songs are really nothing to write home about <laughs> um i don't want to grow up as a tom waits cover which they actually did a great job i love tom waits jess hates tom waits <laughs> but i absolutely love tom waits so sorry you think his voice is too gravelly? Like he's the guy who sings like "Downtown Train." When I played "Downtown Train," I don't have a problem. Yeah, like with he tries too hard.
1: Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> I don't have a problem with like that gritty gravelly sound in a voice. I think it I think it's very I I like that sound It's soulful. when it comes from him for whatever reason. And I'm not saying this is I'm not saying he's doing this on purpose, but the way his grit sounds to me, it sounds forced. So it sounds like he's trying to make his voice do that. And he it, he might not be, but that's just what it sounds like to me. <laughs>
0: I don't, Understandable. I don't like Understandable. It. So In late 1995, after the album is released, um, Joey's diagnosed with lymphoma. And he keeps it super private until like 2001 when he couldn't keep it a secret anymore because you could just look at him and you could tell how sick he really was. And on uh, on April 19th, 2001, Joey died from lymphoma. I remember the day really well. I was a junior in high school and I was like devastated. Mm. Absolutely devastated uh even until his last days he was refusing to get a feeding tube because he was afraid the feeding tube was going to damage his vocal cords and when he got better oh, he no. couldn't go out and sing anymore and he didn't want to hurt his fans oh that's heartbreaking i know i know it it really really is so uh tommy uh johnny and dd Dee Dee didn't go to to his wake what refused to go to his wake why uh, Johnny said, "Why would I go to his wake? Because he's not my friend. I'm not his friend. Why? Why would I? I wouldn't want him to come to my wake." Yikes. Dee um, Dee had a rough time with it, and that's why I think he, he withdrew from it. He wanted to reach out and like bury the hatchet with Joey because him and Joey, like in the beginning, were super close. And he actually found out how sick he was, and he was in the hospital, and Dee was gonna go and bury the hatchet, but he didn't make it in time and Joey died. Oh. So Didi had so a real sad. rough time with it and that's why he couldn't face it and he didn't go. Um you know, um it's so weird because like even in death they still had a <laughs> they still had a feud like like Tommy still was like No, it's excuse me. Johnny Johnny. was still taking swings at him, even in death. Like it's just like weird to me.
1: A lot about Johnny to me. But (sighs) I I agree. I don't know what the prevailing opinion is on Johnny, but just you saying that, like, come on. And and I am not one I don't think people I'm a I don't think people should be glorified in death. Like if if someone was a jerk in life, it doesn't make them an amazing person just because they died. But I think silly grudges should be buried
0: well i mean they were in a band together for years and years and and you know johnny took away his girlfriend
1: (laughs) ended up marrying her i could could almost understand if 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 johnny died first i could almost understand joey still being mad
0: yeah but joey's the kind of person he would have went
1: yeah we think we think yeah we think i don't know silly Um, silly
0: it is in March of uh, 2002 they were actually inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ooh-hoo. Um Tommy had a really great speech. It was really emotional. He gave a great tribute to Joey. Um Marky thanked the fans and he thanked the band, you know, for being a, you know, being able to be part of the band. Um Johnny thanked the fans, his wife, and they said, "God bless the presidency of George W. Bush and God bless America." Oh and then God. walked off stage.
1: That's all Johnny said.
0: That's all Johnny said, oh, okay. and then Dee Dee said, "Hi everybody, my name is Dee Dee. Um, I've come here and I want to say thank you to myself. So thank you, Dee Dee." And then walked off stage. Oh, that was their God. that was their acceptance speech.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that that gives you the insight of like what it's like. Everyone's like, "Oh, maybe it's just an act. They're trying to be tough, guys." No, they really couldn't stand each other. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: really too bad. Interesting. It makes you wonder what would have come out if they had more of like a cohesive
0: relationship agreed yeah agreed hmm. uh a few months after in june of 2022 uh they find dd Dee Dee dead of uh hero- 2002 2002 yeah <laughs> Not oh, whoops, sorry <laughs> errors in the mission uh in 2002 they find dd Dee Dee dead of a heroin overdose uh in la but i think hmm. everyone knew it was like that's kind of it was coming where it was coming uh, in 2004, uh, Johnny announced that um, he was in the end stage pros- uh, progress of uh, prostate cancer, and mm-hmm. he was on his way out. Uh, he'd been fighting it for five years. He didn't want to tell anybody about it and didn't want to make a big deal. And September 4th, 2004, Johnny died. On uh, June 11th of 2014, Tommy died of battle bile duct cancer. So someone, please, for the love of God protect marky ramon
1: <laughs> save marky ramon
0: someone check in on marky ramon because marky's <laughs> like the last core member that's still alive oh wow yeah it's amazing
1: did you know that in 2011 they also got the grammy lifetime achievement award i didn't
0: know that mm-hmm. that's just a, a throw reward to me don't even get me started <laughs> on that all right you know what i finally have a public platform that i can say oh, this oh jeez. you know what Fuck the Grammy National Committee Board. Because you know what? Who cuts off Frank? All right, let me tell you the whole thing here. I remember watching this clearly when Hold I was a on. kid. Hold on,
1: let me pull out your soapbox.
0: Yeah, let me get on my soapbox. I remember watching this when I was a kid. They gave Frank Sinatra, Frank fucking Sinatra, the Lifetime Achievement Award. And Frank is like very sick at this point And he's towards the end of his life. And he's on stage. He's got tears in his eyes. And he starts giving this speech. And I thought the speech was going too long. They cut off. Frank Sinatra. They right. cut him off of TV. They walked him off stage. Like oh. the, the crowd was, because the crowd is all full of like these people are like, they're recording artists. They're all booing because they're like, that's Frank Sinatra. You can't do that to Frank Sinatra. Oh,
1: that's atrocious.
0: And the next performance was Billy Joel, and he was uh, playing "River of Dreams." So in the middle of the song, he stopped and he told his whole band to stop. And he sat there and he folded his arms and he looked into the camera and he goes valuable advertising dollars going by, time being wasted, time, know. time, time. And he waited for like another 10 seconds and just stood into the camera and shook his head wow. and then went right back into the song. Wow. So that was his little protest for Frank Sinatra.
1: Oh, that is, <laughs> that is really atrocious. Isn't
0: that sad though? Oh. That, was, that was like one of the last public like, appearances of Frank Sinatra.
1: That's awful. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. You, can, you deserved a soapbox for that one. Thank you.
0: Fuck you, the Grammy committee.
1: Okay. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I like Frank I mean... Sinatra.
1: <laughs> your your poor mother is gonna call you when she. I know. Sorry, to us mom. Say, Richard, stop swearing. I'm so sorry.
0: Much. Also to my my, my little cousin Caden who likes to listen a lot and said uh, he swears a lot. I'm sorry, Caden. I, know. Like, I swear I d- a lot.
1: I did. Um, I did reach out and found out some of the, his favorite stuff. So we'll have to do a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Just just for you, Caden.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now the, 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 time that I want to bring up in the podcast is, Jess, let's, let's talk about like our personal connection to the Ramones. You, what was the first time you ever heard the Ramones?
1: So I wish I could take full credit for, you know, discovering the Ramones at a, whatever age I first listened to them. But unfortunately, credit does have to be given to my sister. <laughs> um, she is... Shout
0: out to Nikki. Has
1: always been a big fan of, of being different Um, And trying to find what was not popular at the time and um, she had discovered the Ramones and so I was in we had our bedroom shared a wall and she had the Ramones uh, their first one CD playing um, Blitzkrieg bop blaring and then she had Rocket to Russia also um, and playing and that was the first time I heard it and it was super loud and I came in and I loved (laughs) it and then um, you know her and I spent some time just dancing around, jumping up and down to the Ramones <laughs> on this very, very you know 1990s themed uh, boombox.
0: That's awesome. Um, what about for you? Oh boy, um, I'm pretty sure the first time I ever heard the Ramones was I saw them on MTV because when MTV was a thing, the Ramones was like, hey why don't we try to re-release um i want to be sedated mm-hmm. and so i saw the video for i want to be sedated and i loved it i think i was like four or five years old i loved it
1: i've uh, never actually seen any of their music yeah, videos
0: yeah and i loved it and my dad like kind of walked in and he's like are you listening to the ramones like, do you like this? I was like, oh my God, this is great.
1: You're like, you know the Ramones?
0: Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> See, like, because I was too young and I never realized... You
1: never realized how cool your dad was. Yeah,
0: because, like, my dad was, like, into the Ramones and into the Clash and, like, Elvis Costello. And, like, I n- never really made the connection of, like, how, like, cool my, my old <laughs> man was. I couldn't just make that connection at the time. But it was like, you know, I will thank my old man because, like, he always had the thought of never censoring what i what i listened to yeah i love that yeah never like you know like you know he used to tell my mother be like you know like he should be smart enough to know the difference between entertainment and reality that was my dad's like big like line with Mm me um but yeah i mean shout out to my old man like he was he was the one like he was a massive ramones fan and it was just very very cool that um I could say that like my parent was a Ramones fan, so I love that. that yeah, that's that's where my influence came from on that. Okay, what's uh give, give us your favorite Ramones songs?
1: Um, I had I had a few that I had written down. Um, my favorite one of my favorite albums I think is Road to Ruin, which you judge me for, but that's okay. I don't
0: judge you it for. It. I mean, it's a great <laughs> album. I don't. It's not Rocket it to Russia, but
1: um, so I had a list on my list. I put Fifty Third and Third, okay. Cretin cre- Hop. Yep. Um, Sheena's a Punk Rocker. Oh, yeah. Needles and Pins. And, Pins. and I Want to Be Sedated okay. are probably my top Ramones songs. Okay.
0: That's a very respectable list right there. What about for you? Um, so, I mean, no particular order. KKK Took My Baby Away. Um, Rockaway Beach. Creighton Hop. Uh, teenage Lobotomy. Uh, mm, what else can I throw in there for a fifth that I'd be like, oh. um, Probably we want the airwaves because it's just a little mm-hmm. different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you like the meat. Like a lot of those songs that you talked about. The meat have potato like, songs. Have, well, no, and they have meaning. Like some, they do. Some, they have some really good backstories. Yeah. Um, which I think influences your favorite songs, too. It does. Because you are, you are, you're that person that... Like, I am very surface level. Like, I like the song for does it sound good to me? Does mm-hmm. it, d- does it sound enjoyable to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and you research, right? So much of songs and lyrics and the backstory. And I feel like that influences a lot of, so
0: the the best way that I can, like, it took me 40 years to f- kind of figure myself, my mind out. <laughs> like I was recently talking to, uh, to my supervisor and I came up with the line and I said, look, when you're trying to show me something, Do me a favor. Just don't show me the cake. Show me the ingredients of the cake, and then show me how you built it. And then show, and then tell me the additional meanings of each. Why are we using each thing? Because I'm weird. I like if I'm into something, I want to know every minute detail about it. I don't ever want anyone to get over on me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with wanting to know all of it. Exactly. But sometimes you just have to appreciate the cake for being cake. Right, <laughs> your poor, your I can't, poor mind can't my, even. I can't, come. I can't even, I can't. <laughs> nope. I
0: can't. Sorry, it just okay. just makes me who I am. That's I guess that's just you. That's okay. The pompous prick that I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, just, do you have anything else to add?
1: I don't think. Oh, I have. Because I, I think I'm gonna make it a tradition now. Okay. I love a good would you rather question. Okay. I did a couple for Black Sabbath. Okay. Um, so I have just one for you. So would you rather have the best original sealed presses of all of the Ramones discography mm-hmm. or have two hours
0: with the Ramones? Give me give me the sealed presses <laughs> because you know what? It, it, that two hours would be them just arguing with each other.
1: Would it change your answer if you could have two hours with each of them indiv- individually? No. Okay.
0: So, Like I said, sometimes I get really nervous because you don't want to beat your heroes. I'm you know, here. like... Actually, you know, Johnny comes off as kind of like a dick, but I've heard nothing but actually, like, nice stories. Like, he actually is, like, nice to the fans and, like, okay. talks with them, takes time, speaks to them stuff like that. Like, individually, I've heard they're all fantastic and they're all, like, really nice people. And, like, when you get to meet them, like, they took an interest in what you were and stuff like that. But, uh, no, give me the, <laughs> See the original presses because I'm a freak. <laughs> like,
1: I need the collection. You yeah. You need the collection. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right, so uh, that kind of puts a puts a bow. And see what I did there because it's Christmas time. puts a puts a bow. Happy Christmas uh, on on the Ramones, Um, again one of my favorite bands. Um, I really think they never got their due. I'm trying to do my part and give them their due. So um, good out there, listen to some good Ramones music. Thank you for listening. Have a happy, merry, happy Christmas holiday. Whatever you do. Whatever you're, whatever you're celebrating happy holiday happy, happy whatever happy everything and uh we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon for episode 3 have a later guys